What's going on gamers? Welcome back to the Graveyard. I'm the Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for this episode of Graveyard Gaming. Now today's episode, I want to pose the question, can Starfield save Xbox? I know, that's a little doom and gloom. Look, the fact of the matter is, Xbox is not going away. I, you go online, you see a lot of dumb crap between fanboys on both sides of the fence here. But the fact is, yes, Xbox may be in third place, but that third place still brings in billions. So unless Microsoft decided to get out of video gaming... Yeah, Xbox ain't going nowhere, right? So it's not really about can Starfield save Xbox. It's really can it turn the ship? Can it get eyes on the product? Can it get new people to buy into the Microsoft ecosystem? Now, I say all that, but look, here's the deal. If you already own an Xbox and you're happy with Game Pass and you're loving these acquisitions and everything's going great for you, guess what? That's awesome. You know, Starfield is made for you. Enjoy it. But... Xbox isn't necessarily looking at it that way. See, Phil Spencer is looking at Star as a game to get players that don't have an Xbox into that ecosystem, to get them subscribing to Game Pass, to get them buying a Series X because that's how they make their money. They need people invested in it. And look, you know what? Right now, the problem that they're finding is that a lot of gamers that didn't have an Xbox, they thought that by getting all these big publishers and these acquisitions, it would get people to go, well, I'm going to get me an Xbox. They got Bethesda. Oh, I'm going to get an Xbox. They got Call of Duty coming. But it's actually kind of done the worst. It's actually been a lot of bad PR. See, let's be real. A lot of PlayStation players want it to be shown things that Xbox are working on. That you can only do this on Xbox because they're so talented, right? That, hey, this is what we're doing. This is our first party output. Games like the Fable game that look amazing. Games like a new Gears game. Games like new IPs. All that stuff. And instead, what happened is Microsoft said, hey, we're going to go over here and we're going to buy these big publishers and all the studios under them. So if you want to play them, you got to buy an Xbox. And when you're told you have to, it starts to get a little bit, I don't know, rubs your uh, nerves the wrong way, if you will. And then some of the wording that Phil Spencer has said, I'm putting a lot of this at Phil Spencer, but it rightly deserves to be at him. Because if you go back to the cases that we went through this past summer when you know they were trying to close the deal and, and purchase Activision, one of the things that came out that just is kind of ludicrous to me, that, again, if you're an Xbox player, this might not seem like a, a bad statement, it doesn't bother you, but if you're somebody on the other side here, you're going to look at it and kind of see, like, what? See, Phil Spencer was asked about the Indiana Jones game, and I gotta tell you, that one right there really hurts me, because I love Indiana Jones. He was asked about it, and he said, no, it's been cut from PlayStation development, and he goes, it's really a kind of complicated thing, but when we're trying to develop on a Xbox and a PlayStation, like, it just, it's a lot of resources, and since we're dealing with, you know, a third party here, being the studio that owns it, we gotta be smart about this, we gotta meet these deadlines that Disney wants, so we have to get rid of the PlayStation one. Now, the problem that I call erroneous to that statement is the fact that Microsoft came in on this deal, you know what I mean? Bethesda was already cooking this deal. So if Bethesda was perfectly fine with the deadlines that Disney wanted and had no problem doing it for an Xbox and a PlayStation, then why in the world does Microsoft, the big green daddy, come in and go, oh, wait, we can't handle that? Because there's really very little truth to that statement. Bethesda could have happily continued working on a PlayStation version. Microsoft is using an excuse. And if you're, again, if you're on the Xbox side, you don't see that. But if you're on the other side, you start to see things differently, right? You feel like... Burned. I'll be honest, I feel burned not getting to play that game and being forced to go buy an Xbox to play Bethesda games. Now, eventually that kind of asterisk of Bethesda and whatnot will kind of wear away. But right now, this is the moment, right? This this bad PR, all these months and stuff. Starfield is that first game because Starfield is not a game that's coming out of nowhere. It's not a shadow drop game. It's not a double A game. No, no, no. Starfield is a triple A game that has had eyeballs on it for years. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
it does burn knowing that it was in development for PlayStation until the acquisition took over. However, I have said it in past episodes, it makes sense to me. You buy Bethesda, Bethesda, if you want to say Bethesda quote-unquote first-party games, which, yes, that does include Microsoft first-party games, but if you look at Bethesda Studios themselves, that always made sense to be to for Starfield, for Elder Scrolls, for Fallout, to become Xbox exclusive because, hey, they're buying Bethesda, they want those games, right? So, putting that to the side, but it puts a lot of eyes on Starfield. And look, what was the last big game that came from Bethesda that was kind of the first big game that came out in this acquisition era for Microsoft. That was Redfall. And unfortunately, that game was going to have a target on its back, man. People were going to look at that game, and if it came out and it flopped, people were going to point and be merciless with how they destroyed that game. And guess what happened? It came out and it didn't do what people wanted, and they were merciless with it. I mean, that game came and went like a wet fart in church. I mean, people just kind of abandoned it with all cause. Now, my good friend Hulking Yoda over at Lost at Sea Gaming very unbiased. He has PlayStation, he has Xbox, he has Nintendo. He enjoys all three, right? He enjoyed the game. If he had more time to play, he probably would have played a lot more. But the simple fact of the matter is people are scrutinizing everything that Xbox does, especially with Bethesda, and Starfield is going to be that game that people are really going to look hard into. Now, why do I talk about Starfield kind of riding the ship, right? Saving Xbox, if you will. It's because, again... If you already own an Xbox, if you're in the ecosystem, cool, this game is built for you, but Microsoft sees it as different, right? Microsoft also sees this as this is the game. This is their big game this year. They're not selling a ton of consoles. This is how we get new gamers because it's always about that new customer. Once you've got a customer, if you have a business and you've got a customer and they're part of it, you're good to go. You guys are already subscribing to Game Pass. Awesome. Microsoft is doing exactly what it needs to do to keep you guys subscribing. However, it needs the new players. It needs to reach out and get people like myself that have a PlayStation and a Nintendo but not an Xbox. It needs me to make that leap. Buy an Xbox. Buy Starfield or subscribe in the Game Pass. It needs that. So that's what I mean by saving it. Can Starfield be the game that gets people to look at Xbox, to get them to change their mind and go, okay, you know what, bad PR, I don't like the way they did things, but i got to play Starfield. That's tough. Look, that's real tough. Let me go ahead and just say this, and I'll, I'll talk about the game a little bit more in detail, but I think Starfield is going to be an amazing game. I have no doubt that it's going to be one of Bethesda's finest games. However, here's the problem with Starfield, is not the game itself, but Microsoft, right? So not the Bethesda part of Starfield, but the Microsoft part of, of Starfield is it's got to have legs. Oh, and I know, man. I know one of the first things you see some Xbox fanboys, because trust me, just as bad as PlayStation fanboys are with Starfield, Xbox fanboys are just as bad too. And the one thing they'll say is, you know, games like Spider-Man 2 coming out is only a couple hours versus Starfield that's years you'll be playing this game. Is there truth to that? Sure. But let me break down how that's really going to happen. How you are going to play this for years? It's going to be very similar to how me and all the people that I know that enjoyed Oblivion and Skyrim and Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 enjoyed those games. We played a bunch at launch. And then we played the new games. Whatever was coming out. And then maybe like six months, eight months later, we'd go back to it. We'd play some more of it. And then another game would come out and we played some more. So we would keep going back to those games year after year to enjoy them. But it wasn't the main focal point. Yes, you are going to absolutely have that small group of gamers. And I'm not trying to be little when I say small, but I just mean, let's say, let's say 10 million people are playing Starfield. I'm talking probably a million people that are going to exclusively play Starfield for the majority of their gaming time for the next couple of years. 
a vast majority of gamers are probably going to be exactly what I just described. They're going to get, they're going to play, they're going to move on. You're going to have your pocket of gamers that are just going to decide, that's not for me, play it on Game Pass and move on with it. And then you're going to have plenty of gamers that just kind of say, yeah, that that's, that's just not my style of game, you know. Or they like it, but after that initial 40 hours, we'll just say, they move on and they just never get back to it. Schedules and new games and whatnot. But the biggest problem is that right there is people moving on. Like I said, I think the vast majority are going to spend a ton of time in the beginning but you have to keep the eyes on the product. Microsoft has to market this game just, just right. Because here's the deal. It's releasing in September, depending on early access or if you're getting it when it actually drops. It's either the beginning or the middle of the month. People, Microsoft has to keep eyes on that product because we are getting to the point of, that's right, Christmas time. I know myself, if my son was like, hey, I really want to get a new game system and he wants Starfield and I'm looking at it. Guess what? I'm not buying it for him in September and Xbox, and the game, and whatnot, and then turn around the month after that and start having to buy Christmas presents. No, 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 no. He'll get one during the Christmas season. He'll get it for Christmas. It'll be put away. I think a lot of things will happen with that, right? That's that's not a problem. That's not a problem people are buying those consoles. I say that because I know Sony fanboys in the month of September are going to be like, look, there's not this huge increase in Xbox sales. Well, no crap, because people are like, ah, eh, I'm not going to buy it and have to buy a new console or a new Christmas present and something like that later. Right. So you have that going on. Plus, probably the biggest thing going on is, well, you got Starfield coming out. So the people that might be a little hesitant to jump on it day one, maybe they're going to wait for Christmas and get it, whatever. Guess what happens after Starfield comes out? You get about two weeks if you buy it at the official launch of Starfield and then Mortal Kombat comes out. Mortal Kombat looks fantastic. I'm not saying all eyes are going to turn to Mortal Kombat, but you get your first distraction. Then what happens in October? Oh, my word. It's probably the most stacked. October in years. You have Assassin's Creed Mirage, which I think is going to take a lot of eyes. It's, I think it's going to review extremely well and breathe some fresh air in that franchise. Then you've got Alan Wake 2. We've waited over a decade for a sequel. We never thought we'd get Control really kind of burned those fires, and we finally got this game coming out. You got Alone in the Dark that is looking like it's saying, hey, you know what? We were the first, and we're coming back to reclaim our survival horror roots and that game looks awesome and then you have a little exclusive game on playstation it's going to get a lot of eyes called spider-man 2 that i think is going to be fantastic so now you've got these distractions you even got games coming out in november like the new like a dragon game you got the avatar game coming out in december like you have distractions and remember what i said earlier about how the vast majority of gamers are going to jump in there and spend a lot of time in the first couple weeks of starfield and then once Mortal Kombat, once all these distractions, these new games drop, they're going to start moving to those. That's what's going to happen. So if you were on the fence, if you have a PlayStation, you're like, oh man, Starfield looks so amazing. Do I need to get it? Well, guess what? About the time that you really start really getting deep into it, you start seeing the videos, you start seeing how amazing it looks. Well, you're going to get distracted because there's going to be a new shiny object. And gamers, listen, our attention spans are like gnats. That new shiny object, that new game comes out and we immediately want to start playing it. So Xbox has to deal with the fact that they only have a couple of weeks from the official launch of Starfield until this onslaught. So they have to find a way to make sure Starfield is at the forefront, right? To make that if you decide to hold off and just kind of wait and see how it plays out and get through October and all these new games coming out. If you're a PlayStation guy, you're waiting for Spider-Man. If you don't care about Spider-Man, but you're really into Alan Wake and you don't care about Alan Wake, but you're into Assassin's Creed, whatever. They have to make sure that even while you're playing those games, Starfield stays on your mind so that you eventually do say, okay, got to get an Xbox to get it. They got to make sure that if you're a parent and you're debating getting a game or system for your kid 
and Starfield looks like the cool idea. But what happens if in October he's talking about all these other games he can play and he's talking about the launch of Spider-Man, right? Again, all the games I talked about outside of Spider-Man, third party. They're going to come out on multi-consoles. So they have to keep Starfield just engaged in the public thought. They have to, right? Because the biggest thing is, man, is getting people to buy into that ecosystem. That's what I talk about. That's what the saving part is. Now, so there's that aspect they have to get over, but they really have to fight that bad PR. They have to get those PlayStation-only gamers to be willing to buy their console to play this game. That's where it gets tougher. How do you get past that, man? How do you get past all the, for the lack of a better word, ill will you put on those gamers? Right? Because while Microsoft was cool and they were, you know, professional with what they said, they had those comments, like I said about the Indiana Jones game, that PlayStation gamers said, what? That makes no sense. All of the, we want to compete, so let us buy a massive publisher. Things that, hey, again, if you're on the Xbox side, it makes sense, but if you're on the PlayStation side, you're scratching your head. And then the simple fact that, Hey, we know three games, Redfall, Indiana Jones, and Starfield, that were supposed to come out on PlayStation that were cut. You have to get past that bad PR for those gamers to get them to say, I'm going to invest in your ecosystem for this one game. That's a tough concept. That is where Microsoft has had to throw everything to Bethesda and say, you have to make the perfect game. And that game will never exist, but you have to come close to it. Here's the thing about Starfield. I think it's going to be fantastic. I mentioned that earlier. But here's the other thing about Starfield. This is kind of a big deal. It's made by Bethesda. And look, give you a little brief history, a very brief history with me and Bethesda games. I absolutely loved Elder Scrolls Oblivion. I've talked about that. That is a game that Hulking Yoda convinced me to buy, almost drug me to the store to buy it. And I am so glad he did. I loved Oblivion. I loved Fallout 3. I barely dabbled in Fallout New Vegas, unfortunately, just, you know, as things were. But I loved Skyrim. And I absolutely loved Fallout 4. Fallout 4 is one I wanted to go back to and get a platinum. I'd like to get a platinum in Skyrim now that I mention it, but either way, that's neither here nor there. But I loved these games. However, I'm also willing to say that one, they've all had a certain level of Bethesda jankiness to them. And I don't know if that makes sense because that sounds like I'm criticizing and I'm not. It's just an animation style that they have. A, you know, I don't know, like you, your character jumps and they look like they just kind of float. Uh, you know, if you're in third person because that's your preferred viewpoint and you get into a battle, it really sucks. It feels like you're just swinging wildly. There's no real, like, engaging combat system. If you go into first person, it's a little bit better, but again, there's just, they never really kind of nailed any part of it. They were the jack-of-all-trades master of none except for world building when it came to those games. Like, the games, the worlds are amazing, they're fantastic, but, you know, there's nothing about them to go, you have to play this game outside of the RPG element outside of the massive world they made. There's no like you got to play this. The combat is so amazing. You got to play this. The graphics will melt your eyeballs. You got to play this because this aspect of the game is great. It's more of like everything about it is awesome uh, because it's all one package. So there's that, right? I don't know if the new engine is going to get past that or if it's still going to play very similar to those games. The other thing is bugs and glitches. And look, just like I talked about Redfall, this game is going to be unfairly, let me just say it, it's going to be unfairly scrutinized. Every little bug, every little glitch is going to go on the internet, it's going to go on X, it's going to go on Instagram, it's going to go on Facebook, you're going to see these videos everywhere. Why? Because the people that are scorned are going to highlight those. 
the people that are just Sony fanboys that are butthurt about it, they're going to highlight them because they want it to be an unsuccessful game outside of Game Pass, right? That's going to be out there. And look, I say all this because while, yes, for the most part, Bethesda's had a pretty good track record of, sure, there's going to be bugs and stuff. The game is massive. Their games are massive in scope and scale. The problem is, though, I was a PlayStation 3 gamer on Skyrim, and you know, we got to a certain point where our save file got too big, and the game just would not progress. It became like being over-encumbered. It crawled. It was a big deal. Such a big deal that when we finally got the DLC, we actually sat there and got it at a very discounted rate because they had to make up for the fact that for six months of the game's release, we couldn't actively enjoy the game. If something like that happens in Starfield, game over. You're not going to get any of those people you've burned to go over to Microsoft to get an Xbox, to get in that ecosystem. So no, Starfield is not going to do what Microsoft wants it to do. The bugs and glitches are going to be there. I, look, you might only find a small one here, there. And again, I'm, I'm talking like minor things. But do you remember that video that circulated? A lot of people were seeing it when you played New Vegas, where if you talk to the guy, all of a sudden the NPC's head would just like rotate. Yeah, like that kind of stuff is going to absolutely crush this game. When most games, people would look up past it, it will crush it. And you might go, dude, you're being a little bit harsh, man. Like nobody's going to let a game get crushed because of minor glitches and bugs. I beg the differ. And I bring up Assassin's Creed Unity, probably one of the best games in that series. And because of the launch and the state it was in and the bugs and the glitches, guess what, man? People consider that game one of the worst in the series. It actually caused Assassin's Creed Rogue to not sell well. It actually bled into the next year with Syndicate, my favorite in the series, to not sell well. They had to do like a, a soft reboot of the series to get away from this stink of Unity, right? And the problem is Unity's fantastic, but those bugs and those glitches got in people's minds. So that is what Microsoft has to deal with. They have to, they have to market the hell out of this game, and they have to continuously market it. They have to be showing the best things about this game on a regular basis. It has got to have those clips when you go onto YouTube that it just stays in the forefront of, you got to play this. Microsoft has to get over the hurdle of the bad PR, and they've got to find a way to, to build that bridge, man. They've kind of burned some bridges with PlayStation gamers. This could be the game to help them kind of, you know, rebuild that bridge, but they've got to be really showing the best things about it. And then Bethesda, unfortunately, I hate to say it, it's on them to make this game dang near perfect. Do I think this could be the game to save Microsoft's, we'll say their reputation. We'll say to save them from the Sony hate. Could it get the Sony players to be like, cool, I'll go buy an Xbox. This seems worth it. It could. It could. I think fundamentally the game's going to be fantastic. But I think it really comes down to how well Bethesda can make sure this game is damn near perfect when it releases how well Microsoft can market it, and to be honest with you, how well Sony can market their games and their third-party deals going into this holiday season as well. So, gamers, there you go right there. I think this could be the game to really kind of... Maybe it won't be the game to get a ton of people to buy into it. It won't sell a ton of Xboxes that Microsoft might want, but it could be the game to put a little crack in that armor of the hardened hearts of PlayStation players. To get them to go, okay, you know what, Starfield could be a game. If I ever got an Xbox, I'd get one. That's how it starts. If I ever got an Xbox. And then Fable comes out and it goes, oh man, Fable looks really good. And there's always Starfield. And then the next Halo. And then the next Gears. And eventually you start adapting into it. That's how the PlayStation 3 did it, man. They were so far behind on 360, they had to start producing those games that made people want to play them.
So gamers, I would love to know your thoughts on this. Let me know. The Graveyard Gamer at gmail.com. The Graveyard Gamer on Instagram or the Graveyard G on Twitter. Till next time, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.